Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're back and joining me. Really happy to have him. It's been a couple of years. I remember when he came on, Steve Cohen was a new owner. Mets <laughs> Fix was a new product out there. I'm a subscriber. You should be a subscriber. Jeffrey Ballone, JB, and, and Jeff, welcome to the program. Almost two years, Mets fix, right. right? Are we coming up on a two-year anniversary? And it's been a wild ride, wild right. times with the Mets. Um, how's it going? And uh, welcome to the program. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Yeah, you had me on in the early days. And I actually have readers tell me still to this day that they heard about me on your podcast. So wow. I appreciate that. Some uh, That one some person that listens, everybody tells me, oh, you got no listen. That one person that listens actually yeah. signed up for well, Mets Fix. Well, actually, what's funny is we started another newsletter with, with Joe Buono called Isles Fix. Yeah, Joe, good friend and, of mine. Yeah. Yes, and he said that's how he heard he heard wow. about me was through this podcast, and then he ends up doing a newsletter with us. So, And uh, you're doing Knicks, too? So, guys, if you're an Isles fan, if you're a Knicks fan, you haven't got to the Rangers yet. I guess that's the next foray. Is that is that possible? That's possible. We've talked about that. But, uh, yeah, I guess we're doing the underserved community right now with uh, that's right. Mets and, and Isles, right? But, that's uh, right. Yeah. If the Rangers win a cup, you'll be very much going to be need to be served at that point. So yeah. uh, here's what I'll start off, Jeff. I have been watching the Mets a long time and in, in, in the modern hot stove, following the rumor mill. I go back all the way to Brian Hoke and was it Mets Online or whatever he yeah. was doing. Yeah. And I remember all the rumors. Since David Stearns took over, is he Don Corleone? No. No leaks, no leaks on yep. coaches. Agents aren't leaking. And I I think I've become pretty good. I'm sure you guys have become pretty good. There's a lot of speculative, educated rumoring by the yep. mainstream media. And that's okay. I don't think they quite get that fans don't understand that and how they could read through the wording. Yep. Um, this is a new world with David Stearns. We heard that a lot of people were impressed with him at the GM meetings. He's got that smile. But I think he's got a little inner Don Corleone to him. Nobody leaks. <laughs> it's completely plugged up. So yes. it's been hard to yeah. speculate on what's going on right now. Yeah, I think it's both a combination of what you said with Stearns and, and maybe the, the type of players who are at the top of the free agent market, right? We we have, whether it's Otani or Yamamoto, you know, I think we have players that might not have the traditional ties to some of the mainstream MLB insiders. So you're just not getting information on the agent side, right? And then you're you're not getting information, I think, from Stearns from within the Mets. So it it has made it where, you know, here we are, what, a, a little over a week from winter meetings. And I feel like we, yeah, we really don't know. Like we don't have a good feel of what exactly they're going to do. And he talked about run prevention. He was very, one thing about Billy Epler, I thought when he gave his State of the Union last year, you had a good idea of what they were willing to do, what they liked. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could read through the lines. He was a little drab and, as I predicted, you know, his inside baseball kind of conversation with the media went bad as things went bad. But Stearns was very macro. He's very top line. So all we have to go on is the assumption that 
They're probably going to go heavy on pitching, whether it be in the free agent or the trade market. They're probably going to go more component-driven on offense because you have all these young kids, the baby Mets, quote-unquote, plus the prospects, the Gilberts, the Acunas, and things like that. So you don't want to block anybody. And he wants to be competitive. Makes it for a tough puzzle. And I've been trying to piece the puzzle together. You know, The focus of the first segment was the trades and the starting pitching market. But I got to tell you, I mean, it's it's interesting because all you have to go on, he was with Milwaukee. There are ties to Milwaukee. He wants run prevention. He wants p- pitching. That's it. So where where yeah. do you see this going? What What is your gut telling you or or where do you see the tea leaves going with, with the next couple of weeks? Yeah, and, and I think what's interesting, and there's been you know some uh, press on the idea that their 40-man roster has been cut all the way down to 28. And, and I think uh, Anthony Tacoma put it out, and it's like, you know, this historic start of cleaning, you know, cleaning slate. But I actually think that's a little bit misleading, right? Because I think what has happened here is the Mets made obviously a lot of trades at the deadline last year. They got a lot of prospects that weren't necessarily 40 man guys. So you ended up having this big list of players who were really there to just fill out the rest of that season. And what Stearns has come in is he came in, he cleaned out those guys. And, but yet for the amount of players have been cleared out on the position side, for the reasons you said, because you have already some established stars, but also kids coming up, there actually isn't a lot of wiggle room unless he were to suddenly do something drastic. And I think in terms of trying to put my finger on what he's going to do, I think he wants time to evaluate, right? He wants to see what do we really have in Beatty? What do we really have in Mauricio? Before we pull the trigger to maybe open up a door for them by maybe moving a veteran player or anything like that, I think he wants to see what he has. So in in a strange way, I think on the position side, we might not see much different at all. You know, you need a corner outfielder. You need a DH. One or two different players that would play regular minute, uh, regular minutes. I'm thinking basketball now. Yeah. One or two different players (laughs) that play regular uh, innings. You know, that that's all you're going to get. But obviously on a pitching, you only really have two, two legitimate starters. And then, you know, the bullpen was where the majority of guys leave. So I think that's why run prevention is just obvious. When you look at the roster, you have to get depth in that staff. Um, But I don't think there's going to be as much turnover or a different look of the everyday team as people might think, just because he needs time to evaluate. 100%. I agree with that. Jeffrey Ballone, Mets Fix. Check out Mets Fix at Mets Fix. Uh, If you're not a subscriber, you should be. And if you look at where we're at, what I call the tournament era, 84 win team goes to the world series. Not the first time it happened. I mean, I was around when the Minnesota twins won 87 games and went to the world series, but with the multiple wild cards, the team doesn't have to be perfect on opening day, but Stearns is new. The Yankees might be wakening from their slumber. The media is the media. The hot stove is the hot stove. People were used to now the Mets over the last couple of years, winning the hot stove, even if it was Mm -hmm. temporary with Correa. And if you go the route, that you and I think this is going starting pitching value additions to the bullpen, maybe a Kevin Kiermeyer type in the outfield or depth pieces and whatnot. I don't think that's going to be good enough for the fans. I think he's going to get roasted. I think he's going to get mm-hmm. roasted on talk radio. I think he's going to get roasted on Twitter. I don't think he cares. I don't think Steve Cohen cares. And truthfully, I don't care. It's annoying. I don't yep. care yep. Uh, because exactly why, they're in this position and these criticisms that have happened in the past of this team is because they would cater to that market. They yes, cater right. to those, those voices. And I think that that's when Max Scherzer said that Billy Epler told him he's not going to be in on the top end of the market. I don't think he's lying. I think that meant Bellinger. I think that meant Snell. Mm-hmm. Um, 
might mean that, hey, they're going to sign Seth Lugo, guy I think they should look at. And that's not exactly, I think, what Max Scherzer wants. So I don't think he lied, but I think be very interesting. A guy who grew up watching this team now is in the sauce on the deep end of the front office pool. How does he react to that? How does the owner react to that? How does the fans react to what could be a good offseason, but the team not being perfect April 1st? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what would help him the most is to have a relatively quiet offseason. And then partly from what he does, but partly from guys last year who just didn't perform to what you would expect them. So, you know, I think if you re-ran this past season a hundred times, I don't think there's a lot of times they would have actually finished with the record they finished with, with the combination of things that went wrong between injury, underperformance. So they could very well have a quiet off season and then surprise people, right? With, like you said, you only got to win 84, 85 games. Maybe you have a run. Maybe you don't win a World Series, but maybe at least win a round. He needs to be able to do, to weather the noise and I think have a then a strong regular season that then he can start to turn the narrative to say, okay, yes, the Mets have resources with Cohen now, but no, that doesn't mean they need to spend like crazy to put a good team together. And that I think will give people the trust now to say, oh, Stearns doesn't want this big shiny piece. Well, it's because he wants to make a smart move, but they're not going to have that this first off season. So he just needs to be able to weather that, I think. And then hopefully through the, the next regular season, prove that they can still win, which I think they can if they put together this team properly. Zach Scott said something on a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and something that Sandy Alderson said his first press conference when he came back was that being in this kind of situation with this money, with this market, you have so many options that the abundance of the options makes it so hard. Now, I think it's easy. Otani is a complicated situation, and I'm sure they'd be in on him. If they're, I think they'd be more interested in New York. But Blake Snell smells good, but not so much in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Bellinger losing a draft pick for what he could be, uh, and I'm not one to hug draft picks, but they need some kind of ability to build up the cost of players everybody makes that's good makes 25 million now yeah i know everybody makes so this 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 luxury tax thing it's if it was ever proof that this is salary depression it's where the inflation of the market goes a 10 million dollar a year pitcher now makes 12 it was eight usually guys like um lance lynn made what seven or eight million just like (laughs) a couple years ago now they're at 12 so it's not just the eggs and the butter and all the inflation so you know it's it's really interesting that you know, the amount of options, even as us doing what we do, makes yeah. it so hard. It used to be so easy. Well, Mets aren't going to be on this. Mets aren't going to be that. Here's right. the pool. Let's go there. And it makes it that much harder for us, to be quite honest. Oh, and like you said, the complicated situation of both Otani and Yamamoto, where they're, you know, especially Otani, right? Where that's just, it's a whole nother category of a player. So you're just not quite sure. Is this someone that Cohen would just say, it doesn't necessarily fit to our plan right now, but that one player I'll go crazy about, even though I don't think New York, it doesn't seem like New York is where he wants to be. But I will say this is another thing to your point about the fan base. You know, just a comment on the reporting. I, I think the toughest part, because the majority of insiders reside on the East Coast, and a lot of them write for East Coast publications, is it sets the expectations for the fans in just these crazy places. So if if you were to ask a fan on the West Coast that's, say, a Dodger or Giant fan, who they think Otani and Yamamoto are going to sign with, 
I think they would, the majority of them would say it's either the Dodgers or the Giants, and then maybe the Yankees Mets. You ask sure. uh, in New York, it's the opposite because when right. you open up an article, right, it's going to say, oh, Yamamoto, Yankees Mets, and then they just kind of list after the comma Dodgers Giants. When in yeah. fact, it, it's probably those teams might have a little bit of an edge. So I think it's the combination of, like you said, the market is crazy right now. So it's hard to handicap, but also just even reading the tea leaves or reading the reporting. It's it's very complicated because I think even based on where you live, you feel like, oh, well, I'm reading all the reports. It's clear. Like if you just read SNY and the New York Post, you're convinced that Yamamoto basically wants the Yankees or Mets. I, I don't think that's actually the case. I, I think those West Coast teams have a legit shot. So that also makes it complicated as well. I don't think the fans understand the reason for the West Coast, the culture. I think the Mets have some advantages, and and you went right where I was going next. The Mets and Yankees, and I said this last week, have never really gone head-to-head. They may be going head-to-head on two guys, Yamamoto, Montgomery. The Mets now have the money to do whatever they want. Let's face it. If this guy wants it, he's going to get it. Now it's about selling the team. And I wonder, it was easy to sell the team after Scherzer signed last offseason. I wonder how it's viewed other than money, because if the money's going to be the same, there's no advantage anymore. Right. How is this organization viewed? Is the pitching lab something that is liked? Ken Cohen with his, and I think a lot of people don't understand the connections this guy has in the financial world and what that means for these guys post-career and for their money. That's an advantage. Look, if I was going in and I'm okay with New York and I got a guy that could open up doors with private equity and investing money, uh, that matters. Right, I don't right. think people understand that matters. And no other owner can really do that. Like, that's yeah, why that's they hate point. him. I mean, let's face right. it. I mean, the guy, <laughs> right. that's why they hate him. So I wonder how the team is viewed. Can Stearns pitch it? That's a, we don't know. I mean, he, yeah. he's got this nice big smile. He looks like you and I. Look, I right. look at Stearns. I'm like, this is a guy that probably was, you know, would be subscribing to Mets Fix 20 years ago. <laughs> right, before right, right. I wonder how they're, they're sellable there. It's not an easy sell. Especially yep. against the Yankees. I know we could trash the Yankees. Right. There's still a lot of successful Japanese history with the Yankees. And in general, for any player, whether the Japanese or not. You no, know, absolutely. And, and I've thought about that a lot, too. I mean, I know with Otani in particular, um, uh, Matsui was one of the players he grew up idolizing. You know, they just have a special on ESPN that's out. And they have this whole piece about Otani basically being in love with Hideki Matsui. So, um I don't know. I think having a down year did hurt the Mets a little bit in that idea, because if after winning 101 and then if they were to have another strong year this past season, you can really build that narrative of, okay, we don't have this strong history, but Cohen came in and now we're winning. That's what we do. But to have that down year, it's like, okay, we know Cohen's there. We know the advantage, just like you said, but it's not the same pitch the Dodgers can make where it's just look at our record every single year you are going to be in the hunt. It's a closer flight back to Japan. It's Um, LA. It's it's LA. LA. You got, you know, better weather and and it's more laid back. You know, it's always odd, right? Because LA sells more tickets than anyone. But as we all know, and baseball fans know, it's not close to the same as intensity of New York or Boston, these other places. So I don't know, you know, in terms of Mets versus Yankees now, if it's a little bit different because the Yankees have had some of their struggles. But again, it's relative. The Yankees struggles have been, you know, for the most part up into this past year where they're still like in the playoffs. They're still a team. It wasn't like they fell off the map. So 
Um, that's a good question, but I, I wonder if this past season, I guess is what I'm getting at, hurt a little bit that you could have built that narrative of Cohen came in, he's spending the money, and now back-to-back years, they were a good competitive team. It upset that a little bit. I don't know if that will matter, but that's how I would have written the narrative had they had a good year this past year. So let's look at the starting pitching because, I mean, that's where mainly I think they are going to go. You have Yamamoto, and I think if they sign Yamamoto, it lines up so much better than if they don't. Now, my desire, and I'm just looking at free agent market because when you start, and I'll get to the trade candidates, it's a little more complex, a lot more complex. Yamamoto, Montgomery, and I keep going back. I know people laugh. People, I've, I've talked to people offline, like Seth Lugo. I'm like, look at the numbers. Look at what he did in 16. That's what you need yep. in the back end. I mean, it's going to be a three-year deal. It might be about 36 to 40 million. He'll give you six innings, 25 starts. Uh, those three would be similar to, I think, what Texas did with DeGrom and Evaldi and maybe Andrew Haney, and that worked for them. That's the Texas Rangers plan. What do you yep. think of that plan? And am I missing? And I like Montgomery better than Rodriguez, but uh, Tim Britton did a great job over at The Athletic. They're somewhat interchangeable. I think Montgomery's better, plus the New York pedigree. What do you think of that big spending plan? Yeah, no, I, I like that plan. I think, like you said, it, it, it it's kind of like you're slotting pitchers, right? So if you can get that one big guy in Yamamoto, suddenly those other signings, when they're slotting in a third or fourth, depending on how high you think Senga is, um, you look at it a lot differently, right? Then if they are the guy that you're expecting to be your number one or number two, um, I think that changes the equation. But I mean, I guess with Yamamoto, like we saw Senga, if he can't pitch, you know, if they're going to work on him only pitching once a week to kind of ease them in, and I'm not sure. I know Stern said he would talk to Senga about how they will work with him. But the fact that you might have two guys, let's say you do sign Yamamoto, who aren't going to be the traditional workhorse, so to speak, because you have to spread them out a little bit based on their schedule. I think, like you said, signing like a Lugo, someone who can start games for you, But then maybe as the year goes on and you get like a Peterson back and maybe as Yamamoto and now Senga's had a year and a half and they're more comfortable on the regular five-man rotation, you can slot a guy like that into a swing role. I like that a lot. So I've been myself thinking about who are pitchers beyond just those obvious top guys. And I like Jordan Montgomery too, um, who could kind of give you that swing capacity in case of they're going to be short the first half of the year because of injury. And then if you dream of bringing anyone up from the minors, they still need time. They don't have any major league ready prospects, but maybe the second half of the year, if you can supplement internally, and now you have guys that can kind of play multiple roles. So that's how I look at it is that it's not just, especially if where baseball is now, you know, it's really filling innings as it is as much as filling starts And that's why I like those depth guys that you feel comfortable that you can kind of put in different spots just to kind of answer directly on a a Lugo. Now, you look at Yamamoto doesn't come. Do they go more Montgomery, Rodriguez? The next tier down, the one-year deal guys, the Severinos, the Michael Lorenzens, guys like that become more important. And I'll tell you, Jeff, uh, I look at how it was grouped here. And again, I go back to if you guys aren't part of the, the athletic subscription, I suggest you... Tim Britton does great work. You got Severino, Dakota Hudson, uh, Ryu, Michael Lorenzen, Alex Wood, Michael Waka. Michael Waka, I thought, you know, injury uh, risk. But other than that, he'd be an interesting case. 
It's a drop-off. It's a risk. You are going to be potentially going into a season. If you don't sign Yamamoto and then you don't like the Rodriguez-Montgomery mix or can't get that mix, now you're going into the bin before you get to the trade market. And the bin means you might be relying on Buto more, Tyler McGill more, maybe one of the kids like Scott or Stewart, whoever they think is ready, Vazel, guys like that. And that is going to really put this first offseason into spring David Stearns is not going to be looked at really that greatly. Yes, right. um, and Severino's a guy, you know, Mets fans don't like hearing this. They don't like Yankees that come over here. They don't. No. They, you right. know, we hear about, oh, Willie, everybody wanted Willie Randolph as the bench coach. They didn't like Willie when he came. I, I was around. <laughs> I remember. Right. Oh, you know, he doesn't want mustaches. He's he's preaching about the Yankees. Now you want him? Right. I mean, right. really. I mean, I laugh when I see that. I'm like, what world am I in? So Severino's going to come here. He starts out one and three with a, a 4.8 or 5 ERA. It ain't going to be good. It is a very thin margin. And that's why I'll get into the trade market, which is tricky. The margin of error at post Yamamoto, it ain't great for the Mets. Now, money could make this happen, but is that the right move? You know, you, you know, giving Eduardo Rodriguez a five-year deal, is that the right move? Just right. because you didn't get Montgomery, you didn't get Yamamoto. Yeah. That's why I go back to what Zach Scott said. This is hard. It, it is. And, you know, Sonny Gray is another one where it's like, not a New York history, guy. you know, Not like there's guy. a lot. So this is, again, when we say about Stearns, one of these guys like that is going to hit somewhere, right? And, you know, again, it's a fit, like it's about being a New York guy or not. But whether it's a Severino on a bounce back year, whether it's someone like a Sonny Gray, someone from that bin is going to hit. And it really is a matter of, you know, to me, what's most interesting to watch, and and I think you see it with the successful teams, is they're able to identify, we can look at the available pitchers and we look at their strikeout rates and walk rates, ERA. What you're hoping a, a good organization is doing, I think they're trying to build this up with their analytics department combined with the front office, is to say, yeah. this guy throws in a way that we think our staff can maximize right like we think based on his pitch mix based on his mechanics if we get him here we have the right coaches we have the right staff that we can maximize what he gives us that's the hardest part for us from the outside to know we don't have that info we have walk rate we have strikeout weight we have belief systems i have a belief system you have a belief system and even though we could go on baseball savant i know everybody's the smartest person out there i love baseball prospectus i I, i'm not knocking these guys we don't know Right now, you could even talk to teams and insiders, but you really don't know at that point. That's why when I look at Severino, okay, that makes sense. Ryu, that makes a little sense. I mean, out of all of them, Severino has the best track record. But you put these guys in a hat and you pick a name out, except for you know maybe as you get to the Dakota Hudsons of the world. I I don't know. I mean, no. I have my preferences. Uh, I mean, I love Michael Walker, but the guy's always hurt, and that's why they yeah. signed them a few years ago. Great peripherals, guy never stays healthy. Um, right. And, you know, who knows if he even liked playing here during the pandemic, who knows? So uh, who would you, out of those, you know, let's say Lugo's not in there. You put Lugo, we mentioned Montgomery, Rodriguez, Severino, uh, Ryu, Lorenzen, Alex Wood, Waka. Is there a, a name, or maybe I'm missing a name. Is there a name that I'm missing? That- Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You particularly care for. 
Yeah. And, and, I, and you catch me a little bit because I'm, um, this is my task this week to actually like go a little deeper in. I'm in, getting you, you know, I'm getting you warmed up this in, in warm who up. I, in who I like. But I guess I, I brought up Sonny Gray because I think that, um, I like that he has a lot of pitches. So what I always like to see is, and we just saw off Aaron Nola, right? He just signed his ridiculous contract with the Phillies and yet his fastball velocity is going, keeps going down. I think he's around like 92 right now. And usually a pitcher, when you lose your velocity, you're not going to age well, but he has enough secondary pitches that it matters. So when I look at older pitchers, like a Sonny Gray, I look at how many pitches do they have so that if their best, you know, their fastball doesn't have, you know, he's, you know, you're not relying on, I guess, your top one or two pitches. So I look at that as aging well. And I see him as someone you don't need to sign to a five, six-year deal. We've seen too many of these pitchers that are in their late 20s. You sign for these long-term deals and they just don't work out. And I like the idea of saying, okay, if you're going to miss at the top with Yamamoto, can you find guys that you can sign more to a two or three-year deal? And it's a little less risk because you're getting them obviously on, on, a, on a shorter deal. So that's why I liked him. Otherwise, I like Jordan Montgomery, I guess, the best of if you want to call him the second tier between Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I don't know if you put Marcus Stroman in that group. Um, Normally, I would. I, I just don't think. I mean, again, David that Stearns doesn't make sense. New. Right. I don't know if back. he. He said a lot of things on the way out of here that and, and, probably and then is not I guess, politically. Yeah. Right. And then I guess if, you know, I know Epler was supposed to be our, uh, you know, our, our secret sauce to get in these Japanese pitchers, yep. but the, everyone's talking about Yamamoto, but it's Amanaga, if I say his name Aman, right. Amanaga. Aman, Aman, yeah. Aman, yeah. I, I'll learn it. Guys, we'll learn I it. love the best. We'll learn it I was loving Adovino's name for six months and people, <laughs> nobody called me out on it. I'm like, yeah, well, I, I have a little yeah, flair yeah. to my, my pronunciation. Right. It's a classic name that I think all of us have read a bunch, right? Yeah. But you don't, we haven't watched him pitch, right? So you don't hear names. But at least from what you hear, you know, you see about him, he does seem like one of those, obviously he's not as sexy as Yamamoto, but maybe, you know, he's someone else that you could bring in that surprises you. So again, is that... A sexy list of names? No, but I would say Jordan Montgomery would be the, if it's not the top, top, that would be my priority. And behind that, again, as I said with the caveat, we don't have the information they have, but someone from that list of the Sonny Gray, the, we'll get the name right over the next week, Amanaga, um, et cetera. I think the Far East is a new market inefficiency. You know, Jeff, I think a lot of people are not ready for how important the Far East is. Yep. Um, maybe there's an opening, you know, of players and I look the nationalism and the posting system. And there's, there's a lot of politics that make these guys not be able to come here and national pride. But even if it's for a three or four or five year period, you see plenty, even a a Tanaka, they get their fill. They're like, I'm done. They'll go back. And and, and that's okay. You know, I think that's a big thing. Now the trade market, people like just say, Oh, let's make a trade. That's not that easy. Harder for you and I to assess from the outside, but you could kind of look at it. Looks like Dylan Cease is going to be traded. I think yep. Shane Bieber is another name, possibly be traded. Yep. Tyler Glasnow, highly likely making a lot of money. And then you have Corbin Burns, um, who that's the lazy one because of Milwaukee. Yes, right. So right. my thing is this. Dylan Cease is somewhere between Cy Young Dylan Cease and high walk rate, more back-end Dylan Cease. But he will cost you probably one of your top pitching prospects and maybe one of your young positional prospects because he's got two years of control. And if I'm the White Sox, I'm like, hey, I'll just hold on to him and I'll yeah. wait to the deadline. Right. So if you're going to get him now, it's going to cost you. I'm not so sure I'm ready 
to give up that prospect capital. On top of that, I'm not sure David Stearns knows what he has. And right. Chris Gross, who just came over from Houston, I mean, yeah, they get reports, but don't you want to see the players? Then you've got Bieber, uh, third time around the order issues. I don't like the rotator cuff from a couple of years ago. I don't like the elbow inflammation. That's like a check engine, like going, guys, there's a problem. You're like, ah, don't worry, the car will be okay. And then yeah, you're stuck yeah, on the yeah. side of the road at that point. Corbin Burns is going to cost you King's ransom. I mean, if you think yeah. that team is going to hand you Corbin Burns and not sock it to you, you're not paying attention. And he has the as a pectoral issue. I worry a little bit about the red flags there. And then Glasnow makes the most sense, but he's never healthy. And maybe yeah. you could get a salary dump, but I'd be careful because whatever prospect you're giving that team, you are going to say, ah, oh, what are they? What did I think? Now it's David Stearns and maybe you have more faith in him. Yeah. I think Glasnow makes the most sense. And maybe you throw Margot in there and you take, it's a whole salary thing, but I don't think the Rays are going to gift. I don't think anybody's going to yeah. gift anything to the Mets. This will no. have pain. I'm not sure they can trade for anybody without it really impacting their ability to get a better player as we go forward. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you can look at it a couple of ways. You can look at it, you know, again, it's different front offices, right? So that's what's tough. But when, you know, when they originally signed Berlander and Scherzer, the idea was these guys were going to pitch to, you know, through next season, right? You end up trading them for prospects. And I know the idea is, well, you needed to build up so you can have a sustainable winner, but you could also look at it as that gave you the currency to sort of do a redo on those signings. And the redo is you're then maybe a little more willing to say, okay, we just got, you know, stocked up pretty well at the deadline on those prospects. So if we have to give up a one to get a Dylan cease, maybe you could live with that. If you tie all that together, I think with Stearns, what I like about someone new coming in is he's obviously had an assessment of the Met system based on trade offers that he would talk to with the Mets. So yes, he needs time to see them up close and personal, but he also has his own knowledge to be like, look, I was just a competitor. I would no way in a world have traded, you know, Corbin Burns for this, you know, for Ronnie Mauricio or whoever you want to throw in there. right? Sure. Sure. So I think he, even though he hasn't been here, I think he's going to have some strong opinions, I guess is what I'm getting at based on how he assessed the market. Maybe that changes. It's a little tough because other than winter ball, you don't have any new data, right? Since he got here. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Cease is one, I guess the Dodgers are interested. So then you're always worried about how are you competing with these other prospect heavy teams? And that raises the price even more. Um I think that this is like you said, you you probably wait until the deadline and you say, we sign, we we try to make these kind of uh, high ceiling, low risk moves maybe to fill out the rotation. We see how this team is forming and then we have more information to decide if we want to go that route. It's just to to right now kind of go all in on someone when you don't even know, like, I mean, let's face it, we do not know this team next year like we said, we don't expect them to make a lot of noise in the offseason, but you don't know, like, will all of a sudden a bunch of those positional players bounce back? Will Sanga be as good again? Will Quintana, who is, you know, is in some ways their most reliable sure. pitcher down the stretch, will yeah. he do that for a whole year? And stay It's just so much sure. unknowns that I think, and this is what you're getting at, it's tough to make a trade because you can't fully evaluate what you have yet. And then you have... The nightmare scenario, they lose out on Yamamoto, they lose out on Montgomery, they lose out on Rodriguez, and then you sign Lucas Giolito, who <laughs> is like the dirty dish towel. He cleans things yeah. up. He doesn't look good, gives up a lot of home runs. It's, yeah. you know, maybe, you know, the guy's an innings guy. 
you know, and maybe that's where they go shorter term. And I think there is a benefit if Yamamoto, because there's a certain amount of risk with Rodriguez and Montgomery, but if Yamamoto doesn't become a reality, maybe it's better to do the one year. Let's be yep. competitive deal. See what you have in the pitching in the farm system. Who knows if any of these guys, Scott and Stewart and Hamill and Tidwell and Vasil, right. are they as good as any of the names we just brought up? We talk about Budo, McGill and Peterson and all three of those annoy me for different reasons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I, I'll tell you. Here's a deal I would do. I don't know if the Rays would do it. I'd give them McGill for Glasnow. Would you? I'd do that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think. Absolutely. And then McGill you... will go there and be great. And then, you know, everybody will say. Yeah. because I don't know if they would do that. That's kind of right. like if I'm taking on the money, that's what the Rays get. Like, okay, you want Budo. You want McGill. I mean, Peterson, they probably, maybe they, and I don't think they would take them with the injury. That's what you get. Right. Maybe Vaz, like you're not diving into the deep end. They may tell the Mets to take a hike. Guys at injury risk, guys costing 25 mil. I got to take on probably Margot. You know, yep. maybe I don't get a nice, sexy bullpen piece. Maybe I can. I just got to see where the, 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 and maybe then you throw a, prospect that's if they do it before the rule five maybe there's a prospect they can trade yeah you can you can add on five or something like that that's a lot of the machinations going on at this point that you could do that's what i would do at this point and then um bullpen i propose yeah i would go super bullpen i bring back robertson i'd see if i could bring chapman to you know if you're going to compete short-term deals i'd go super bullpen uh it's again the bullpen's so hard because there's so many guys that are interesting the suitors of the world i'm like yeah. What do you what do you think of my super Josh bullpen? Hader. Couple of years for Chapman, one year on Robertson, setting up Diaz. They're all going to pitch in the highest leverage situation based on their availability. What so, do you like? Do you like my super bullpen idea? Yeah, I was going to say. Well, when you're saying super bullpen, are you saying as as far as getting Josh Hader? I mean, that would be no. I'm I'm bigger. saying Hader's okay. not going to come here okay. and be okay. a setup guy. I'm saying Ica yep. Robertson would do it. Chapman would do it. And now Hader wants to come here. Yep. Different story, but that's going to be another big money closer. You're going to give two Diaz contracts. I don't see that. I just, yeah. it's just clogging up no, the payroll. No, I agree. I, I see just Chapman, sure Robertson, yeah. Diaz. Yeah, in fantasy, in Stratomatic, yeah, Hater and Diaz would be great. Like, right, lockdown, right. six outs, good to go. Uh, I don't think that's reality. No, I, I agree. I agree. And I think it's right. And it's what all teams are doing right now is that they're looking to, or I should say, all the, the top teams. We don't have the old fashioned pitchers, right, that are going to go seven, eight innings. So, like, you need to have, I mean, I don't even know what you call Super Bowl pen anymore because I sure. feel like you need, like, that's what you need to have. But, you know, my saying I always say is that bullpens are like cats. You never know what the heck they're going to do. It's <laughs> a good think, one. They change their food every day. Like, God, yeah, like, give me, give me you a break. You know, and they don't. So, like, <laughs> that's a good it's one. Just, I like that. It's just I literally like. like you just don't know. I think that's what's so difficult is that you'll get these guys. I mean, when you look last year at teams like their top bullpens, yeah, there's the obvious names that always come back year to year. But there's a lot of these teams where like, oh, this seventh inning guy was lights out for them. I had never heard of him before last year. Sure. Right? So I Brooks always really is little... a good example. Brooks really. Yeah. I didn't know who he was until he came here. I right. mean, so I'm, you know, I'm always a little cautious in like spending a ton in the bullpen when I feel like the error bars around a relief pitcher are maybe the widest of any pitcher. Sure. So I think it's, you know, last year we dealt with the whole thing with optionality with Billy Epler and, yeah. you know, who, who are they going to grab? I think you definitely need some pedigree guys that have been there that you can say, okay, there might be some variants, but I have a pretty good idea of who they are. So bringing a Robertson back, who seemed to enjoy his time here, he was really sure. upset when he got traded. Sure. I know part of it's because of moving his family, but yep. I would be all on board for that. 
But then it's, this is again, where we're going to learn about Stearns. I think it's going to be, who can he find that we don't necessarily realize is going to be the one that pops next season? And the Mets are never good can. at it. That you no. thought maybe Brigham or Coonrod or yep. they, they're never good at it. They're never, they don't bring them up from the minors. They don't get them on their, their, their staff. You know, maybe you could, uh, Aaron Loop might be somewhat of an example of what they did it. But I don't think, you know, he had some of a resume at that point. There's no, you know, when the when the Rays got Brooks Raley or the Astros got Brooks Raley, you know, they don't do that. And that's that's right. that's part of the problem. Now, before I wrap up here, let's we, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the offense. See, this is where it gets tricky. I think they need to bring in some kind of bat. And yep. I think an outfielder is in play because we don't yes. know what Marte is going to be. Uh, Reese Hoskins, in one sense, makes sense because he's a backup to Pete. And maybe if Alonzo leaves or gets traded, you could slide him in at first base. I don't like him outside of Philadelphia. I think he's a guy coming off an injury that we might regret. Smashes lefty pitching, but you might say, this guy strikes out a lot, doesn't play defense, and he's going to annoy you. You got Toscar Hernandez, you got Jorge Solar. I'm not a big Hernandez guy, but if you look at his season last year, his issues were in Seattle, not outside of Seattle. Hits lefties. Solaire hits lefties, hits on the road at home. Again, not defensive maven, so to speak, from what I know. Um, you know, that you know, maybe you go and you bring in like a Margot as a backup or a Kiermaier for some defense for Nimmo and whatnot. It also clogs up Nimmo from moving to a corner. Where would you go? Like I think Solar Hernandez more than Hoskins. I don't even know if they're interested in any of them. There's really no buzz on positional players with the Mets at all. No, there is any ideas right. so it's, what it's you in, what no, you yeah, would do? you're picking you're picking the right names, right? I mean, Hernandez is a corner outfielder that can whether he's spelling, you know, Marte. I mean, to me, Marte is a big question mark, right? Like if he comes back and he's healthy and he's big like lift. big Marte, lift. that's a totally different lineup than if he's not and you're suddenly trying to fill like half of his uh, you know, at bats. And that's where I think someone like a Hernandez could probably do that. He could play left. He could play right. Because, um, you know, again, you got to figure out where are you fitting if you're actually playing Mauricio every day? Where are you fitting him relative to Jeff, O'Neal, uh, Jeff McNeil? So I think I like Hernandez for that re- reason. But then if you feel more confident in those guys, like, do they go a more veteran route? Do they say like a Jock Peterson, like someone like that, where it's like, He's kind of your DH, but he also yep. could play in that short-term field. deal, short-term deal, lack of a exactly. commitment. Yep. Um, you know, looking at those players that could, you know, even I know we're saying outfield, but even like Justin Turner, you feel like eventually perfect he's going to run out. But perfect could fit. he be perfect that he's your guy DH? You have young third baseman. He's going to mentor those perfect. guys. He'll play there once in a while. I know his defense has regressed a lot. But he seems like a really nice fit, and it'd be a nice story to kind of bookend his his career. So I'm kind of looking again more of those, more of that realm of the veteran, short term deal. D, you know, these are players that for certain at the trade deadline, if you need another bat, that's a totally different market than when you need another arm. So I wouldn't feel concerned if you brought in a Jock Peterson or Justin Turner, and it proved that they are too old now that you couldn't go if you needed to with relatively lower cost and get someone like that to come back in. So those are the guys I would look at versus I worry with like a a Hernandez, like you bring him in on it. He's going to want a longer term deal. And then it's like, 
I don't know. Like you don't even know if you want to play him every day, depending on how players develop. And now you're guys stuck like with that him. could go really bad on long term deals, yeah. really yeah. bad. And then, they, yeah, then they're absolutely. clogging up your payroll, and you're like, "What do I do with him?" Goes bad right. with the fans. And what's funny about Turner is that the biggest thing he did as a bench player before he had his breakout going to L.A. is he used to do the pies. If you remember, everyone hated. Oh, oh Justin right. Turner's yes. a clown. He's with the pies. Yep. Get yep. him out of here. He can't hit. He's a pie thrower. Yep. Now everybody wants it. it's just it's just amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's amazing. I really like last thing. Really like the coaching staff. I like the Gibbons hire. Yep. Um, I like the Sabo hire. I like what they did. They brought guys in with baseball experience. Gibbons has managerial experience. Uh, Gibbons is a guy who has a checkered history with being a tough guy, and I think he's evolved. Uh, Mendoza is a guy that I think wanted somebody like him to manage that clubhouse. The manager position, Jeff, uh, you know, at this point, the Bill Parcells days are over. Clean yep. clubhouse, manage up, manage the media. It's a lot of communication yep. and it's just managing that bullpen. And if you could get that bullpen straight and you have the pieces, um, it, it's a lot different. I like what they did. It's not what you would expect from an, uh, an, an analytically driven front office. Real quick on the way out, what are your thoughts? I liked what they did with the coaching staff. Oh, absolutely. And and, and people from Rita Mets Fix know this is one of my biggest pet peeves. I think the manager position is so overrated in today's game. The the amount of time we talk about it on sports talk radio, on Twitter, about all the about the manager, I, I just don't think anymore they have the scapegoat. Scapegoat. Yeah, they just don't have enough impact when all these decisions we know are group decisions with the front office. It's not a hockey or basketball or football where systems can win you games in baseball. You don't win. You don't maximize talent by playing a system. It's about in-game decisions, like you say, bullpen choice. So I was totally fine uh, with with Mendoza. And, and I say that prelude to say. I wasn't that worried about his lack of experience because I think I knew they would do something like this. I didn't know it'd be John Gibbons, but I knew they would bring in experience around him. And it just seems like, you know, he's, he's well-liked, you know, by the players, he's charismatic. And he does the things, like you said, that in today's game are probably most important for a manager, communicating the decisions that are made in conjunction with the front office to both the players and the media. And then I'll be it to the fans. I think he can do that. So the salesperson, that's it. And I think Gibbons said it best. They got an article from an old Sportsnet in Canada article from about four or five years ago. He's like, look, we all try to outsmart each other. At some point, it's about keeping that locker room clean and managing the game a little bit with the bullpen. And at that point, the players decide. If Lindor makes an error, uh, it doesn't matter who's at the manager. And I like Buck, and I didn't want to see them get rid of Buck. I thought Buck did the things we talked about, but understanding that maybe Buck was not willing and and you know part of it was – He's not into this new way of taking a report that's been a simulation about the game and explaining yep. it to, I think what really came to light for me is when Tommy Pham and Buck are, are two old school guys talking about this simulation of why he's not in the lineup. And I'm like, that's not Buck. That's yeah, just not, right. I'm sorry. No, right. It's yeah. not. And that's not a knock. So what's next Jeff for Metfix winter meetings next week. Obviously you have the newsletter, you have your team over there. Great stuff, guys. Sign up if you're not. It's worth it. It's look with all the money we spend on coffee and nonsense every day and subscriptions. <laughs> yep. It's worth it. What do you What do you got coming up? Yeah, so we have, we we're doing like everyone a, a Black Friday sale. So people go to metsfix.com and and it'll take you to where the newsletter is and it's thirty percent off right now. But yeah, we're going to do a lot with winter meetings in terms of going into detail on the payroll. I know it doesn't seem to matter as much now with, with Cohen, right? But we, we like to kind of go into the weeds, right? So if people are, are interested in, 
I want to catch up on the rumors. We'll give you that each morning. What are the latest rumors? But then we we always try to then go kind of the step deeper of okay, what what does this really mean about the roster construction? Um, you know, how do how does the payroll end up looking? You know, what is the history in winter meetings? What should we expect in terms of players being signed? That's one thing I was just looking at this morning because I think we're all ready, right? For like, okay, everything's going to happen now. And I know, you know, how he. I think a lot will happen the other day. <laughs> Not everything, but a lot will happen. I think. Right, but um, but anyway, so so yeah, so we're excited about that, and um, and we're actually we just started a podcast, not to add competition. Yes, for, for no, guys. there's no. That's the biggest <laughs> fallacy. There's no competition. No, it's true. Because it's guess true. what? The more content, the better. I yep. applaud you guys for that. It's a new medium, and I'll tell you what, uh, it's a hell of a lot better than listening to talk radio. And I'm not knocking anybody individually yep. here. I'm just saying yep. at this point, yep. subject matter experts, especially those who are passionate, are important. So. The more the merrier, the more content, the merrier. And I got to tell you, people don't realize how much more content we in this space in New York with the Mets, even with the Knicks and even with the the hockey, yep. you go to other cities and I try to find people to talk to. They're not there. Oh, yeah. So it's amazing. No, it's and it's yeah. good for the business. Yeah. It's good for everybody. There's enough. I don't know if there's enough hours in every day to listen to everything, but there's enough minutes to listen to something. So, yes, anyway, absolutely. well, listen, go get some turkey leftovers and some stuffing. And we'll Absolutely. do this again. And I appreciate it. And Jeff, be well. And and thanks for everything. All righty. All right. As always, great being Take on. Care. Thanks again. And that's Jeffrey Ballone, Jeff Ballone at Mets Fix on Twitter. Good stuff. Want to thank everybody for tuning in to this Thanksgiving weekend edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Had a lot of fun. Talked a lot about trades and pitching and really start to prep for the winter meetings. And of course, check out Mets Fix, that newsletter. And check out, look, I'm telling you, uh, good opportunity. Um, I think it's really starting to flow. It's a great compliment to the show, uh, the Talking Mets Beyond the Mic newsletter, substack.com slash at Talking Mets No G, seven-day uh, free trial just to check it out, and I think it's worth it. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Of course, you can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet or X, whatever, at Mike Silva Media. And the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, no G, And, of course, the newsletter, Substack.com slash at TalkingMetsNoG. And thank you, Fansided Podcasting Network, for supporting this show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Go have some turkey. Go have some stuffing. Go have your leftovers. Enjoy some football. Enjoy some hot stove news. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.